and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends, where today we are moving beyond the introduction and diving deep into our first conversation about our Summer Lovin' series, where we are going to talk about talk and how important that is in the relationship. Now, many moons ago, I put in, I think it was Every Woman's Battle or maybe The Sexually Confident Wife, that a woman's favorite foreplay activity beyond anything else that you could ever imagine is this very simple four-letter word, and that is T-A-L-K. And I totally believe that this is where it starts with the flirting, with the bantering, with the uh, sweet nothings, with the promises and the rain checks and the just the building up of the tension. And when I hear a client, uh, this is usually the male client. It's usually the female. I know it's a stereotypical assumption, but it's usually the female who wants more conversation, wants more talk. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I will hear the husband say, I'm just not much of a talker. You're just going to have to deal right. with it. I'm not much of a talker. My response to that is, well, then you're not a very good lover, are you? That usually gets their attention. There is a connection, ladies and gentlemen, between talk right. and libido. So Angie, you had thrown out this conversation. Incidentally, if you haven't listened to the introductory episode, I hope that you will go back and do that. But let me just tell you that my friends on the show for this entire Summer Loving series is Pastor Angie McCarty out of Overland Park, Kansas. Is that right? Did I get it right? Overland Park? Yep. You got it right. And Julie Seibert from Omaha, Nebraska. So we kind of got the little Midwest yeah. theme going here too. We We're do. Three middle-aged <laughs> experts on subsequent marriages and who work with <laughs> individuals and couples through writing or preaching yeah. or speaking or coaching. Uh, we, we all love sex and we help to- We do. We, <laughs> yeah. And we, we say that again. And we love to help other people love sex. Did I say that right? Did that right. come out of my mouth you right? You did. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Angie, you had suggested that we focus an entire episode on talking like lovers do, which is a eurythmic song in my head right now, but there are copyright issues. So you know how that goes. <laughs> but what has been your experience as a pastor and as a sexpert about conversation and the lack thereof or the boost thereof in one's love life? Well, as a pastor, I would say that communication is the entire foundation of our relationship with God, right? Right. That communicating with God who cannot be seen, communicating with God through prayer and nature, however we experience God, is the foundation of our relationship with God. So when we think about our earthly relationships, I mean, don't you remember when you would sit with your partner and have endless conversations that lasted all night long and you felt like you could say anything to this person and, and then as life goes on, you have to work a little bit harder and you're just tired. So you're not staying up all night and, um, communication can wane. My experience with sex talk though, um, let me preface this by saying, I don't ever want to say anything disparaging about my first husband. It, our relationship is what it is and was what it was. And we have a great co-parenting relationship now. And I'm really thankful um, for, for what we've been able to build. So as I share these things, these are never a reflection solely on him, right? Right. 
Okay. Julie noted. Thank you for mentioning that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I hope all three of us can hold to that standard. Of Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, we got married at 26 and I don't know that we had three conversations about sex, our mm-hmm. entire relationship. Wow. Um, we struggled with sex and having a fulfilling sexual relationship. Um, we have three kids, so, you know, it worked a couple times. Um, but, but we, we just couldn't get there. We couldn't get to the place where we would allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to say, Hey, this isn't working for me or, Hey, this is what I really like. Can we, can we talk about that? Um, it, it was just a blockage. Mm -hmm. I think that had we worked hard enough, um, and committed this part of our life enough to prayer and to uh, communicating with other people, um, you know, taking away some of the shame that couples have when their sex life is not as fulfilling as they had hoped it would be, then I do believe we could have gotten over that, gotten worked through that mm-hmm. and had a very different experience. But then our relationship ended after 15 years and I met the most amazing man. His name is Jonathan. And our story very much is what, what I laid out there. We met, connected, stayed up all night talking. I could tell this person anything. Um, and our relationship was long distance. So we have emails where in the very beginning, we both said, it is so important to me that we be able to talk about our sexual relationship, right? That we be able to lay it all out there to talk about our likes, our dislikes, um, our struggles. And that has led to an incredibly fulfilling sexual relationship. We've been married for almost five years now, and it's just night and day between, um, between being able to have conversations for, for there to be no topics that are off limits for us. Right. That's kind of been the foundation of our sexual relationship. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, there, um, we don't always get it right. Let me put that out there. We are not Mm -hmm. the perfect couple. So don't place that expectation on us, but I can think of several nights when we have come to bed and, have had that longing. And one of us, um, usually me after a stressful day, I withdraw, mm-hmm. withdraw, um, mm-hmm. and isolate. Yeah. Isolate. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. Yep. And through just conversation and connecting about our day or about whatever it is that's bothering us when I am allowed to have that space to kind of process it. It's that conversation. It's that talking, not necessarily about sex, but, um, but that talking does create the intimacy that can then lead to a beautiful sexual encounter, um, intimate encounter, even, even if it's not completely sexual. Um, yeah, so that, that was why I added this topic, why I thought that it was so important. And I'm grateful that Shannon listed it first, because I do think that it is the foundation. If we can't talk to our partners about sex, and that's kind of how I guided, I have guided my children, my young adult children, Mm -hmm. um, 
rather than coming out of the purity movement and understanding the, the perils of um, that shame-filled teaching, one of the ways I've guided them is by um, suggesting that if you can't talk to your partner about sex, then you have no business being in a sexual relationship with them. If that's awkward or just doesn't feel right, then yeah, that's not going to work. See, I think that that's where a lot of the failure to communicate starts is that when we're teenagers, when we're in the backseat of that (laughs) car and getting each other all hot and bothered and lather each other up and that sort of thing, we're not even using words to communicate. Right. Who needs words? Right. But I think that the failure to outgrow that and to be able to incorporate words and language and communication and conversation into our lovemaking is a sign of stunted growth, like arrested development. If you're still making love like a teenager, if you can even call that making love, but you get what I'm saying. You're still having sex like a, like a horny teenager. If all you know how to do is bump and grind and try to cop a feel and, and that sort of thing. If you can't talk to your mate about what you would enjoy doing to them or what you would enjoy them doing to you or whatever, you might want to rethink the quality of your relationship because it is so vitally important. I would say too that I, you know, along those same lines, whether you're talking about what I tell couples and individuals is whether you're, whether it's those things of like helping each other understand what feels good, what doesn't feel good, um, or if it's talking about big, deep issues, you know, big, deep disconnect um, or issues from our past or whatever that's impacting our sexual intimacy. I always encourage people, I always say God works in the light. So I say, call the awkwardness out. I, I just like say, like, this is embarrassing for me to talk about. Yeah. This is scary for me to talk about. This is super awkward for me to talk about because I think just giving voice to the awkwardness or the embarrassment or the fear or whatever it is, it then starts to lose its grip a little Mm -hmm. bit. And when we can like, because oftentimes when we admit our own awkwardness, there's a sigh of relief from our spouse and that they feel some awkwardness too. And so they're reassured that, okay, I'm not the only one in this conversation right now who is not knowing what to say or so I think there you can like partner better when you when you recognize that you can like give voice to the awkwardness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Shannon, I was I was gonna respond to what you said by just giving a caveat. If you are doing anything as an adult the exact same way you did it as a teenager, <laughs> you may need to look into that a little bit. Right? I would I, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So in reference to we go to bed at night and we're just so tired and we have a tendency to withdraw and isolate and shut down. My recommendation to couples is that if your hope is to be intimate in the evening hours at the end of your long, hard day, start in chairs where you can just sit across from each other face to face, eye to eye and strike up some voice to voice. Because once you get horizontal on that pillow, the conversation isn't yeah. going to happen because your brain is not in that gear. And if the conversation doesn't happen, probably the sex isn't going to happen either. So staying upright long enough to exchange a few uh, sentences strung together to kind of lead in that direction would probably be a really smart idea. Um, 
so Julie, I want to hear more from you. And then y'all remind me to come back around to a language exercise that I often do with okay. clients and at workshops. But how does this conversation strike you? How important do you think that talk is in a relationship? And what are the things that hold people back from being able to do it? Oh, I think it's, I, I share the same sentiment you two do that. Yeah, it's vitally important. Um, I, I put it this way, how we, um, how we relate to each other with our clothes on speaks volumes to what's going to happen when our clothes come off. And so I do think that uh, also like recognizing patterns um, that if you, if you don't develop those communication uh, abilities and give and take and the rapport uh, I think then we fall into a pattern where just sex becomes um, very uh, routine like we just go through the motions mm -hmm. so when you're talking about like if you haven't had that connection and that ability to talk about not only playful banter and not only about being able to talk about the mundane things in life but also the hard things in your intimacy or in your relationship if you can't have that ability to talk about that then by the time you get naked um, you're really just giving your body like you're not really giving your whole self. So the conversation part is really about being able to get to a level of vulnerability where when I give my body, I'm not just giving my body, I'm giving my, my soul and my heart and my whole mm -hmm. self. You know, we're at our most vulnerable when we have sex. You know, we're naked emotionally, we're naked physically. I mean, there's a lot going on. So yeah, I agree that the ability to... Um, build that rapport and have conversation. And like you said, it doesn't have to be, be big, deep conversation every day, but that sense of connection, like right. that sense of, um, you know, the, the Hebrew word for sex is yada to, if you go back to the Hebrew text, the whole, like to be known, we mm -hmm. want to be known and we want to know, I think in a mutual relationship, like you want to be known. I want my spouse to know me and I want to know him, you know, the whole knowing and being known for sure. Absolutely. Julie, I've been talking about sex for how many years now and had never come across that bit of information, the yada yeah. in Hebrew. Okay. So now Seinfeld makes so much right. sense. <laughs> yada 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 <laughs> okay yeah it's okay. to be known Thank you. be known <laughs> yeah. yeah that whole thing of being seen and heard and known that comes yeah. through verbal communication what comes to my yeah. mind is how oftentimes I'm working with a client who is going through the torturous experience of feeling her heart tugged in a different direction instead of her husband's yeah. And it's yep. usually because of, of this exact thing that we're talking about. Yes. It's usually yep. because yes. she can talk yes. to her boss, yep. to her pastor, to her coworker so much easier than she can talk to her spouse. That is yeah. a danger zone. And flip side is true too. Usually men yep. who strike up affairs, it's because a woman mm -hmm. listens to him and shows him respect by being interested in what's happening in his world. And, and we can right. all remember that season where we were so excited to, that we wanted to know everything about our mates day. And we talked several times throughout the day and there were really no big mysteries, but through the years, it takes more work 
I think that that's probably one of the key takeaways is that this does not happen organically beyond those initial first two years of everything right. is new. So everything is exciting. Well, when it's not new anymore, it may not feel as exciting, but it's still vitally important. So would you ladies agree that probably the number one reason that people fall into extramarital entanglements is because of this very communication factor? Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, they want, you want to be seen. And if you're not seen by your partner, it's very tempting to, to lean towards the one who sees you yep. and hears you and wants to know you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, language exercise for people who are thinking, okay. I don't even know where to start. Like, how, you know, like we know what sex is. We know how it works. I know that, you know, like the long peg's supposed to go in the round hole and like, what do we need to talk about? <laughs> As as great pastor, great visual that great yeah, visual yeah, <laughs> great go. sex there life go. there <laughs> as visual. a pastor as a blogger as a coach how would we how would we encourage people down the right path for me I usually challenge both the husbands and the wives to make a list of all of the words and Angie and I used to do this at workshops um, all the make a list of all the words that you've ever heard the male genitalia referred to. Right. And make a list of all the theme of the words that the female genitalia has ever been yeah. referred to as. And it's interesting how long the male genitalia list is and how short the female <laughs> list is. Yeah. Right. Uh, all the slang words or proper medical terms or you know just casual terms for intercourse, for oral sex, or anything that you can yeah. think of. Just have them brainstorm that exhaustively on their own, and then bring yes. the two of them together. And have them read through their list and to communicate to each other and to me, what word in that list feels most comfortable or least awkward to you so that we at least yeah. have a language. You need to have an established word for each of the things, each of the body parts, each of the activities, each of the, the components of sexuality, you have to be able to talk about it. And if you struggle, maybe it's that you just don't have right. a vocabulary for it. So starting with vocabulary yeah. words seems to be an obvious place, but any other ideas as to how a couple can open up those lines of communication again? One of the things that Jonathan and I love to do is to just look up lists of questions Yes. That are all yeah. over the internet. Mm -hmm. yep. And 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 every once in a while you'll find a question that is outside of what you've talked about in your relationship and you learn something new and it takes you down rabbit holes. And yes. and we just we do get in ruts talking about our day and yeah. our kids and our life. And um, so the purpose of that is not so much for the information, although that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's to, yeah, it's just to open up those lines of communication to see where they go. So there are books that will help you do that too. You know, like the book of questions, there's a book yeah. of questions about sex. And I apparently like books a lot, as you can see. <laughs> Me too. I get yep. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my suggestion. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion because I've seen those lists and we've used them and you can get decks of cards that have questions. You, mm -hmm. There's all kinds of avenues and they ask everything from 
you know, like what's your favorite memory from grade school or what's your um, memory of going to your grandma's house or whatever. But then there'll be deeper questions too. And I agree with you, Angie, that it then takes you to other places, you know, like it opens, it's like a launch pad for conversation that takes you other places, which is all about intimacy. That's what we're talking about, like feeling intimately connected and really knowing each other's experiences and heart. And um, the thing, the ob uh, suggestion I would give is really not my own. It's from the Gottmans, you know, John Gottman, but it's, um, I tell people this a lot because I think it's just a great, great conversation technique is that sometimes when conversation feels awkward or hard, sometimes side-by-side -side conversation um, can make that easier. So, you know, when you're driving in a car together, when you're um, on a walk together or something, sometimes having side, what I call side-by-side -side conversation, uh, particularly if you're trying to talk about difficult things, it's not that I don't like face-to-face -face conversation. I think there's a place for all of it. But sometimes with side-by-side -side conversation, we let our guard down a little more. And then also sometimes written communication. So if you're trying to talk about something that feels awkward, using like a, a letter or a note or something as a jumpstart, not as like the only way you communicate, but as a jumpstart to say, hey, this is what's on my heart. I was hoping we could carve out some time later to talk about it just a, a simple way to put a bid out of, I, I want to talk about this and it's, it's hard for me, or it's something I want to try sexually and I have a hard time saying it out loud, but I want us to be able to talk about it later. Can we do that? Mm -hmm. um, I just think those are good methods. I always find letters very disarming. The, the fact right. that someone would take the time to sit down and think through what they wanted to say and put pen to paper, that's a lost art. So I love the right. suggestion of starting there. Um, yeah. I want to go back to that list exercise. Not only are you looking for words that work for you, that don't offend, that turn you on. This is also a great communication exercise to determine what words really don't work for you, as in they turn you off. Right. This yes. is a great They're triggers. Way. They might be like yes. triggers. They might be yes. triggers. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many women, not all. I do. I certainly do not fall into this category, but I empathize with women who do. Um, some women are very turned off by the word pussy. They just feel yeah. mortified by the word. And I so, admit yeah. that. So being able mm -hmm. to teach your husband what is a better word, and interestingly enough, right. too, I hear as many people say this about proper medical terms as they do about words like pussy, that the proper medical yeah. terms shut them down. That They're just not yes. sexy. The idea yeah. of, ooh, baby, I want you to put your penis into my vaginal canal, <laughs> it's just not... <laughs> doesn't really do much for them. I'm I'm gonna try that later, Shannon. I'm gonna try that and see. Let us know I, how that goes. And see how the response is. See how it well, goes. Well, the interesting thing too is, yeah, you know, I'm a big believer that the pendulum swings hard, and that sometimes right. if it's language that you could never get away with in your everyday world, yes. being able to get away with it with your lover yeah. feels a little naughty, and feeling naughty feels a little arousing. And so, for example, I have people who are pastors, speakers, missionaries as clients, and they will say they love the F word. They would never right. say it on stage or to everyone, anyone else, but they love it that it's their own secret 
language that they only use with their mate. And I think that that's beautiful. And I think that as long as your mate isn't yeah. offended by that particular word that turns you on, that can be the magic. That can be the keys that if you yeah. have words that you are both titillated by, that you both love. Um, for example, whenever Charlie says the word lips or tongue, I just melt. I'm like an ice cream cone <laughs> that's been dropped yeah. on the hot sidewalk. I'm just a puddle. Yeah. And yeah. he knows that about me. So how often do you think he throws those words in there? Right. So finding what words work for you is really a good idea before I move on. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, I want to add to that though, Shannon, I agree completely because that's often the question, you know, and I have kind of the boundaries I talk about when people ask me what's okay, you know, they want to know what's permissible. And the one about language sometimes comes up about using slang or obscenities or whatever within the context of your lovemaking, within the context of your privacy. And I always, one of the gauges I use is, is it drawing you together or driving you yeah. apart? So mm -hmm. if, if, if one person doesn't like it, so if one person's sexual pleasure is coming at the pain of the other person, that's not good. No. So when we talk about language, but if you both, like if it's drawing you together and like you say, is kind of arousing or whatever, then I don't see a problem with that. And I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's contradictory to scripture or to, I, I think that that is lovers being lovers. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that sentiment that I, I agree. It's the whole question of, is this drawing you together or is it driving you apart? And do you both feel a level of like this, this is arousing and this is turning us on. So yeah, definitely. Well, Angie, would you speak to the notion that I've heard some people say that that language does turn them on, but they feel guilty for being turned on. Would you please speak to the mm -hmm. guilt of feeling <laughs> sexual energy flow through your body? Like what can a pastor oh, say my. to track those feelings oh. of guilt and shame about even, right. even feeling aroused? Enter purity movement and before, right? I mean, let's go back to the Victorian era uh -huh. where desire itself right. was wrong. Yeah. That's just BS, you guys. It's the work of it's the work of the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, it's the work yes. of the enemy. Total work of the enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of one of the key moments in my in my draw towards work in the sexual realm, I, um, I had a great first appointment in Tucson, loved the community there. I was there for 14 years. So I knew them really well when the pastor went on sabbatical or had surgery or something like that. Um, you know, of course the cats away, the mouse can play. And so right. I preached on the song of Solomon yep. because it's in the Bible and we never hear anything about it because it is a book filled with desire and erotic, erotic stuff. Yeah. Erotic Absolutely. poetry. Mm -hmm. And there is a good argument to be made that these two are not married in their long, as they long for each other. Right. Um, and, and if that's a place where you disagree and can't go there, that's okay. So I preached on this and afterwards a man came up to me, tears streaming down his face. He was probably 75 or 80 wow. at the time. Mm. And he said, thank you so much. The, the sexual part of my relationship with my wife has been the best thing I have ever known in our 
50, 60 years of marriage, but I always felt guilty about it because the church never talked about it. Mm. And how liberating to hear that I could be her preach from that book. Right. And I right. hate the way that I think people, I was pregnant at the time too. <laughs> Y'all knew I, I was having sex. People assume that Song of Solomon is just a metaphor for yeah. like God's love for the church. It's like, no, 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 no. There, there is no yeah. biblical scholar on the planet that would say that this mm-hmm. is not about the physical affection and the sexual pursuit between two lovers. It's not an analogy of yeah. God and his people. It is a celebration of sexual desire. Well, and I've so- heard it said that it's that, that God's big enough that it's both. I've it's, heard it preached that way. That, I mean, like I it, it speaks to both. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. argue with that. But the fact but that I definitely think, yeah. Yeah. The fact that we can celebrate so the sexual side human, of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Human yes. desire, physical desire for one another is biblical. Yes. And so a million so times desire yes. <laughs> that you feel for your partner is just, I mean, it's mind blowing. And yeah. I think it's a gift from God. Now, don't ever say, well, Angie said the desire is a gift from God. And so the desire that I have for the person I'm not married to, who's right. married to somebody else, right. that's definitely from God. God is telling us you to gotta rein together it in. by giving us this desire, right? Yes. Right. So you got to um, rein it in. Yeah. No guilt, no shame. Don't do that to yourself. Don't let anybody right. do that to you. Celebrate that desire and run towards it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to throw out a couple of sticky topics really fast, but these are the questions that clients bring to me. So I'm going to put them out for public consumption. What about, um, what about helps in this regard, such as in particular romance novels and auditory porn? Have y'all heard of auditory porn where it's basically an audio recording of someone acting something out, but it's, purely an act and it's strictly voice it it does not expose anyone's nudity it does not put actors in situations that would get them stds or anything like that it's strictly a a script intended to arouse read by a human voice in such a way to add to the pleasure of it or whatever Um, or in the case of romance novels, it's simply creative words strung together in black and white on the pages so that people can, can have that page turner, like flip the switch in their brain that triggers their pituitary gland to release the blood flow to their clitoris or their, (laughs) what is the male? (laughs) Let's make a list. Let's make a list. (laughs) Exactly. Let's make a list. The Let's blood flow to, you know, that special spot. Um, what are your thoughts about those things? If, if couples find those helpful, do you think that there's anything about those activities that would hurt them rather than help them as long as it's mutually agreed upon and they both feel as if it helps them? That It's not one person wants it and the other person doesn't and somebody wins and somebody loses. If it's a mutually consensual right. thing, do you see any issues with those items? And I'll probably be more leaning the conservative voice here. The concern I tend to have with some of that stuff is that like we can switch from like staying focused on our spouse to fantasizing, Uh, particularly, I guess I'm not thinking about the auditory thing so much, but the romance novels that I think for some women, 
that kind of goes down a path of like them projecting, like feeling disappointed that their husband doesn't mirror that, like obviously a romance novel, it's a, it's almost a depiction of perfection really. So comparison whether it's is what you Comparisons. So, so the conservative in me is like, I don't know, I think that starts to go like outside the exclusivity a little bit of where we're starting to do a comparison. And so that, that would be a little bit of a red flag for me. So that that's my two cents. Yeah. And I'm the more progressive voice and I agree. I agree with that, Julie. I would also say the issue for me would be dependency. One of the things that we're learning about pornography is that very young men are not able to get erections because of their dependency on the visual stimulation from the pornography. And so are, is the couple even becoming dependent on the auditory um, recording or whatever? Um, Are they dependent upon the books and outside source? That's what I was going to say too, is that it's one thing to look to other material to help you develop a vocabulary, but I would say that how is that going to help you in the long run to open lines of communication with each other if you're going to use that as a surrogate instead? So I would say for educational purposes, you know, if it's not against your moral grain, if it's not something that either one of you have a moral or ethical dilemma with, right. perhaps to open lines of communication, but I I would also be concerned that it would become such a habitual thing that this is how we make love. Well, it's always somebody else's voice and it's always something else that's not in our realm of possibility and you don't have the opportunity right. to focus on what you actually have and develop what mm-hmm. you could have together. So um but I want to make sure that people are not hearing a, like, we're not shaming you. We're, we're just simply oh, saying, no, no. don't Mm-mm. stop there. If you've gone there, right. try to build the communication bridge directly between the two of you where there's no middleman. There's nothing needed to buffer yeah. the two of you. And the direction can, of the communication can go straight from your heart to his and vice versa. That's definitely going to create the stronger connection in our minds. I think we would all three agree to that. The strongest, right? Definitely, the intellectual part of me can imagine a couple reading erotica and then talking about what is it in that that That, turns you on, yeah, that turns you on. That's arousing, and component, Mm -hmm. right? And I would say, too, I think, and you said it, Shannon, it's so true. Like, nothing the three of us say. But like it is like we have to put this out there, but we're we're never coming at a place where we want people to feel ashamed. Yeah. And so I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. I think our hearts genuinely are we just want to help you nurture authentic intimacy with each other, with your with your spouse. And and so yeah, I think that uh what's going on in your bedroom, we're not we don't want to push shame in there. We want to be freeing of exactly there's freedom in the marriage bed the passion there's freedom in the marriage bed yeah that was the title of my book called the passion principles is celebrating freedom in the marriage bed okay so uh one other thought that came to my mind is if you have a hard time looking at your mate in the eye and using the kind of language that you would have gotten your mouth washed out with soap for using (laughs) as a kid Right. One way to maybe bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be is you want sometimes sexy texts. 
are equally as arousing as hearing your right. lover's voice communicate them when you get a text in the middle of the day and it's i can't wait to to touch you tonight or i can't wait to taste you tonight or whatever mm -hmm. like right. that can go a long way um and i love gifts i don't mean g-i-f-t-s i mean i love gifts too but yeah. I love it when Charlie sends me like a gift of, yeah. of Bugs Bunny with his heart just beating out of his chest. It's like, this is what you do yeah. to me type of a, you know, like fanning the flame all throughout the day with little snippets of communication makes it a lot less awkward when you get home at night to be like, let's talk about what's possible soon because I miss you and I'm clamoring for you. So right. you can search gifts and find something really fun and uh sending those frequently yeah. is we've been doing that since we were dating so that's been over four years of gifting back and forth so okay and we all we want to also put out there that the eggplant emoji yes is a penis <laughs> yeah well and i would say too emoji, just is that the deal yeah that's the <gasps> yeah that oh yeah Ooh, baby i find yeah, your eggplant so hot okay uh-huh did you not yeah. did you not know that shannon about I did not. Plant? See, I've, I've oh, learned something. Oh, okay. Right. We're yeah, all learning something new on today's episode. Peach emoji is a butt. I would think, I think so. so. It has a crack. I think so. It's a, yeah. It, it, that is a very, yeah, that is a very peachy butt yeah. crack type of fruit. Yeah. The one thing I, the, the one thing I would say to our listeners is um, because who among us has not mistakenly not sent a text like that necessarily, but mistakenly sent a text to the wrong person. So just oh, no. if you are going to be texting, <laughs> I always, I always encourage people to double check, you know, to make sure um, triple or, check or Three triple times. check or to come up with, or to come up with code words that mean only something to the two of you. So that if you mistakenly text your neighbor, <laughs> When you meant to text your partner, um, that doesn't make for an awkward neighborhood barbecue. Um, so yeah, I think definitely just just make we sure bring that, out the ball like, and ask for everybody's keys. <laughs> awkward, right? <laughs> or they serve eggplant at the party, or they serve eggplant, or or, or pineapple, they just have which is the universal or, symbol for swinging. Yes. Did you know that? I did know that because I was, I did know that like if somebody has like a pineapple, like door decoration hanging on their door, like that, that's, that's like telling the neighborhood that they're, yeah, I, I learned that a few years ago. And so, yeah, the pineapple. Okay, so all this talk about fruit. <laughs> Have y'all ever seen the fruit fingering <laughs> artist that records the videos of her running a finger through a piece of fruit? And it is like the most graphically <laughs> sensual thing i've ever seen i've never been turned on i have not seen this by a strawberry or a, a kumquat or <laughs> which even oh what a kumquat exactly that that sounds sexual i never really thought of that that even that does it, sound sexual a little it kumquat. is worth googling <laughs> fruit fingering I, I think the one of her doing the grapefruit is probably the funniest <laughs> one but it's you're like, wow, God is so Oh, yes. So many pieces of fruit look like different genitalia. And right. it really is an art form. She has elevated it to an art form. I wish I knew her name, but you'll <laughs> find it. Just do fruit fingering. Okay, so oh my gosh. What else can you find though? Please tell me, please tell me we're not, please tell me we are not going to end on this note. No, we're not. No, <laughs> I'm about to evolve. I'm about to evolve. Another warning note. note. 
let me put another warning out there. There was one year for Christmas that I thought about getting my parents passion fruit jelly because they had been to Hawaii and really liked the passion fruit jelly. Do not Google that unless you are prepared for what's going to come up when you're just looking for a gift for your parents that they would really like. To I'm put sure on you're post. scarred for life, you innocent one. Yeah. <laughs> We, we can have a counseling session about that soon. If you need to unpack that car. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, we talked on our introductory episode about how we wanted everyone to be inspired from one session to the next, one episode to the next, right. to turn our lecture into some sort of laboratory. So I'm going to set the yes. stage with what this would look like. My challenge to the two of you is that the next two episodes are up to one of you, like, Every episode needs a laboratory challenge that we end with. So here's oh. my laboratory challenge for the husbands and the wives listening to this particular episode. I want you to get okay. two bandanas, okay? And I want you to blindfold yourselves. And I want you okay. sitting in a chair across from one another where your knees are touching and your fingertips are touching. And that's all, knees and fingertips. That's it. And I want you to make love without touching beyond what you're currently doing. Oh, you're going to wow. make love to each other with nothing but your words. So that means that you need to come up with your vocabulary words for, for body parts, your vocabulary right. words for activities, your vocabulary words for the sensations that you want to create in your mate. And I would say, give it a minimum of 10 minutes. So this is five minutes each, but you, okay. don't, you don't have to split it up. It can be reciprocal. It can be like a tennis match, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But the idea is see if you can make love for a minimum of 10 minutes with nothing but your words. Ooh. Do you like that laboratory experiment? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I got to go. I got to go now. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, I, I think it. that if we're going to issue the laboratory assignments, we must also oh, partake. Participate. Yes. 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 So it would only, it would only be right. It would only be right. Well, without the expectation that we're going to come and report uh -huh. on it, we're not yeah. reporting. We might. I, I'm not going to disallow it. I, I won't report <laughs> it, but we I'm not going to disallow it. <laughs> Just imagining someone from my church uh, hearing well, me report on how Pastor Angie and Jonathan made love with nothing but their words. We we give the pastor a pass. So, How's that? Me and Julie will feel the freedom to talk about it, being the we'll salacious the creatures that or, we are. Know, you could do it this way, Angie. You could be like, I have a friend who told me. <laughs> You could like, oh, yeah. like you could always say one of my parishioners actually suggested. <laughs> huh. Okay, we'll pull you with this. <laughs> oh, and, so, and some people are going, and what is a parishioner? It's a person in the church that you pastor. So there you go. So I'm sure that we could talk about sexy talk all day long, but I think that our point has been made. Hopefully we've inspired lots of listeners. So it's time for me to say, we love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. 